Super Talk Mississippi media production. Coleman Taylor Transmission, servicing Central Mississippi for over 60 years. Their ASE certified technicians offer dependable transmission services, a warranty, and record services. Call Coleman Taylor today for all your transmission needs. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the story straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes, baby. In a Mississippi Minute. That's right. Okay, today's guest on In a Mississippi Minute. If you were in a sing-off to save your life, he would be captain of your team. Simply put it. <laughs> He's that great. From his smash hits such as I'll Be to one of my favorites, Gramercy Park Hotel. And I could not ask for more. The list goes on and on. Let's welcome in big old hit singer-songwriter Edwin McCain. What's up? What's happening, Steve? Do you like that? Uh, that was way, way too nice. Uh-huh. I was actually thinking as you were announcing it, I was like, you know, I've never seen Steve have a bad day. <laughs> You know what I mean? We have a lot of colleagues that that are that are uh, that that don't do well in pressure situations if things go bad. You know, thing, you know, the, it, and I, I've I've never seen you have a bad day. I've had them. You, you, you power you power through. I've always that's like one of my that's one of my high water marks for people for in our business is is that can you power through. Um, not so ideal conditions and make it work, and and that's the trick, isn't it? Well, I mean, we've been uh, we've been, we've had some uh, re- uh, what do you call them? Uh, like some strange, uh, peculiar uh, curveballs thrown at us in our musical careers. We've, we've played some <laughs> chicken salad gigs. Is what I call, I call yeah. them chicken salad. <laughs> yeah, you you some days you just got to make chicken salad. I yeah. love it. I love. It. All right. Well, so where are you right now? I am in Boston. Uh, we played the city winery last night, and now we're headed up to Tupelo's in New Hampshire. New Hampshire tonight. Hey, tell me, Edwin, about the, the city winery gigs. Pretty cool, right? Yeah, they're cool. It's a real intimate. Um, and, and these days, the, that's the, the venue for me um, because everybody in my audience is basically me, um, and I don't want and every, you know, they want to come sit down, and have a nice dinner. Showtime is eight. Everybody's home by ten thirty. You know, that's 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 the way. That's the where that's where we are now in our yeah. lives. I get it. Don't put don't put yourself only in that category. I love that. I love that. You know, it's it, you're right. I mean, it's uh, it's hard going deep into the night or into the wee hours of the morning, whatever whichever direction we're going. But so uh, the, the city wineries around the country are really cool. In fact, um, 
we're going to tailor our we're i'm helping a buddy uh at this georgia blue and we're going to have you come in if it works out with your schedule sometime that's going to be sort of it's a more rustic funky version a little more of a mississippi version but the the 300 seater plus the 40 vip uh the cool tapas and mills and all that and it's going to be really cool and uh, up and running in july so i'm going to be reaching out to you to come come do a night in jackson mississippi Can't wait. madison mississippi yeah love it okay so all right how hard are you touring right now so i've i've, di- I've dialed my schedule down to about 70 shows a year um i was playing i was playing a little too much uh in the uh leading up to about the last two or three years uh and and I, I dialed it back so I could be home with the kids and uh, I've got some obviously you know at, at a certain point um, being gone all the time just isn't yeah. isn't really in in the way to create balance and and uh, I've got a good balance now you know I've got a nice balance of home life and and tour life and and uh, but you want to try to make it sustainable you know the goal for me a long time ago when I got in started playing music was how long how long can i do this you know i want to see how long i can drag this out you know i want to i want to i want to be doing this until they're like i can't believe he's still doing it right (laughs) (laughs) i was never hit and run for me it's it's really just i want to play as as long as i can and um but the way to do that is is balance and 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 uh a lot of people get burned out, uh, and and it's it's really easy to understand how and why that happens. But um, uh, and, and it took me years to figure it out because it's it's when you when you first start out, it's such a desperate situation. You know, you take any gig that comes your way because you're starving to death, and you got to figure out how to pay for gas and. Mm-hmm. and um, and then and you do that for so many years that when you get to a point where you have a little bit of success, and you can afford not to play so many shows. You've ingrained that in your brain where you can't say no. And so, like we found out. I mean, I think in, at one at one point we th- we played one year we played uh, three hundred and twenty seven shows. Yeah. In one year. Yeah. You know, and you just go, what? <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, when I was in my twenties. So you you know you can do that then, but but I just look back on that and just go what what every single day. Uh, okay, so I got some stories that you well, that I want to share with our get that, that our listeners, but we'll get to because you've told us uh, we're talking to Edwin McCain. He is in Boston, making his way to New Hampshire, New Hampshire, Boston. Anyway, I love that. And uh, so Edwin, let's go. Di- let's dig back to the past because you talked about playing all the gigs because uh, we had to and we wanted to. It was it was mutual, yeah. and obviously we were in younger and in better shape to do it. Um, when did it start for you? And when did you know? And then you go, look, I'm gonna start writing songs. You know, where was it? When was it? Uh, the progression. Uh, it started when I was uh, uh, somewhere between eight and ten years old. I'm going to say, I think I was eight, and I listened to an Earth, Wind, and Fire record. My sister had this big record collection. (laughs) And I would go through and pick records just based on what was on the album cover, you know, because I was eight. (laughs) I didn't, you know, none of the names (laughs) meant anything. So it was really the album art that would would, uh, determine what record I was going to listen to. And so I pulled out a record that had this, 
pyramid on it. And um, that was uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. And and it was really interesting because they the the album art was using this Egyptian all this Egyptian symbolism, but then it was um, uh, it it it, ha- it would uh, kind of morph into this futuristic kind of um, science fiction type thing, you know. It was and and I was like, you know, as an eight year old kid, Star Wars and all that, and, mm-hmm. and I was like, all right, well, this has got to be great. And I put the album on, and I was not disappointed because Earth, Wind, and Fire was and and oh, yeah. still continues to be one of the you know the pinnacle of musicianship. And so so I kind of imprinted on this idea, you know, Ma- Maurice White, and here's this band that uh, is is first of all they're as as musically gifted as you can be, but then the message was this message of unity and, and peace and and inner strength and harmony and, and it was this real positive, uplifting, um, uh, empowering message and and that was the moment, right? For me, I remember thinking, well, people can get together and make music like this, but also deliver this message um the what an incredible thing to spend your life doing and i remember having that thought hmm. as a, even as a kid just going so you know i was putting it in together in my mind like so these men have gotten together and have decided to be as good as they can possibly be musically and share this positive message and it's it, it has no there're no strings attached you know, all this, all this is, is joy, you know, and, and, and I just remember thinking, well, that's an excellent way to live. Wow. And, and I think that was the moment. Um, and at the time I was in church choir and I was singing in, um, a little theater performances. So I was already singing, but, you know, and I was eight, so I had a false, I had a soprano voice, but Earth, Wind, and Fire, if you know this band, uh, Philip Bailey sings in a falsetto mostly. So so as I grew up, like all the, the whole time, I, I, you know, my, my, my feeling was, you know, this is a grown man, but he sings in a soprano. So there's, you know, there's hope for me because I didn't understand that your voice would change or anything. I was like, all right, cool, you know, I can sing soprano in yeah. Earth, Wind, and Fire, you know, and, uh, and and then you, you, as I grew up, you, you, I transitioned into singing the Maurice White parts. So I grew up as a kid singing Philip Bailey parts, and then I grew up, um, and then I, I became a teenager, and then I'm singing all the Maurice White parts. And, I I uh, love this because Edwin, because let me tell you, eight years old, ten years old, everybody that I've talked to that we know. Yeah. that has found their way and made their way that's about when it started so it's interesting that we were able to tap in and understand it and want to do it at such a young age we're with the fabulous edwin mccain we're in a mississippi minute we're gonna be right back when she handed you
If Alexa's part of your life, you've got one more way to access Super Talk. Super Talk Mississippi is now available on Amazon Alexa devices. Once enabled, just say Alexa Play Super Talk Mississippi at any time and start listening. It's that easy. Just one more way to stay informed and connected with your state. Learn more at supertalk.fm slash Alexa. Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Now available on Amazon Alexa devices. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. The strands in your eyes, the color them wonderful, stop me and steal my breath. I'm Steve Azar. We are with Hitmaker Edwin McCain. He is out on the East Coast making a run uh, like he always does and driving his own bus because I've seen it and I love it. <laughs> So as John Daly drives his own bus and Edwin McCain. All right, Edwin, you got to tell me. Uh, uh, first of all, uh, you go to college and your relationship with Darius, Mark, Dean, and Sony, uh, it's a, it's an it's a brotherhood, uh, and I and I'm envious at times to be around you guys because I feel like I'm not I'm just on just on the outskirts of of being led in into the city limits. But I love watching y'all y'all's relationship, and it's special. So take me back to the beginning. Did you who saw who first? Well, the beginning is at an open mic night uh, at a place called Muldoon's in Columbia. So I went to the University of South Carolina for one semester, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, during that semester, I was I had no intentions. I at, that, at the point at that point when I left for college, I left my guitar at home. I did not. And I, my, let me rewind. A week before I left for college, my father woke me up because I had been playing in bands in high school, right? Singing in bands and and uh, playing around and and uh, and my father woke me up early one morning and he just he looked pale white, you know, and he said I had this horrible dream. He goes, I dreamed you were riding around the country in a van <laughs> with long hair. <laughs> playing music and you have to promise me that you're not going to do that and and i looked at him and i was like dad i'm heading to college i'm my plan was to go to law school and i was like i'm not going to play music for a living you know i don't have any i don't care anything about it and uh i'm going to go be a i'm going to go do something else you know that's what i told him and he seemed he seemed relieved by that. So I left my guitar and left everything at home. I didn't have any plans of being in a band. And then we got to college, and there's all these bands playing in all these little bars that we were playing, we were going to, and and we went to this place called Muldoon's. They were having an open mic night, and and I'm listening to some dudes, and I was like, man, I can sing. I'm gonna go up there and sing. And so it was Mark and Dean. Um, that were doing the open mic night, and Darius was there, and every you know, and that was the first time we ever laid eyes on each other. And then as time went on, once I got kicked out of Carolina and I moved down to Charleston, and um, and the truth is, I, I really still wasn't planning on playing music for a living. But and this is this is the part this is the part of the story that I think not many people have ever heard, but. I got into a car crash. I wrecked this friend of mine's car, and uh, I owed about $4,000 on the damage. And it was my fault. It was clearly my fault. I had to 
I had to make it right, and I didn't. I didn't have four thousand dollars, right? I have yeah. no no, no way of getting this together. But I knew how to play guitar. I knew how to sing, and I was working as a pizza cook. I was doing doubles, working as a pizza cook, and and then I started playing uh, pickup gigs uh, at this other place to try to make some money to pay off this debt. What you know, those gigs, you know, I, I was sitting out there playing. Uh, cover songs and and people started showing up and Dang I started right. getting more gigs and and more gigs and more gigs and then all of a sudden I said well I, I started thinking well this might work you know <laughs> and at the time and then I moved to Hilton Head Island and and I was playing in Hilton Head and then at the, by then Hootie had started playing uh, as a band they had all gotten together to sort of Tootie and the Jones and um, the, Sony was playing with Tootie, and then uh, they broke up and and they ended up forming Hootie and the Blowfish. And so then they were down in Hilton Head playing, and I was down there playing a gig out behind the Tiki Hut. And somebody brought them to hear me, and and Darius and Mark and Dean were like, "Yeah, we know that kid," you know. And that was it. You know, we, we kind of had been in each other's circles. And then uh, they took me under their wing and took me out on tour with them. Um, and that was it. You know, we were we were all kind of coming up at exactly the right time. Uh, right. I, I tell my kids a lot, you know. It, it, sometimes it matters when you are matters as much as who you are. Um, and, and we were... We had the the fortunate benefit of timing because everything was coming off a of grunge. Everybody was tired of feeling bad about themselves. And here comes this fun band and this and and they're clearly friends. You know the thing that people you know the the music was happy and fun. but I think the the thing that that really made Hootie stand out in the in the in the initial offering was it was so clear that they were friends yeah. and and then before that what other band can you point to where you really knew they all loved each other and they were all friends and you can't you can't name one well you can't even do the black crows kind of because it. the brothers don't even you know <laughs> you right. can't do it I'm it's hard you, so it was so unique to yeah. have that dynamic. All of a sudden, you have these four guys, and they genuinely love each other. They're genuinely friends, and they're having the time of their life. And it was infectious. And it was infectious to the tune of 28 million records. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Our boys, man. I just think and this. We got, and and I'm, I'm not kidding you. So this is a, this is a real moment. I was playing at W&L up in Virginia at a fraternity house. Uh, and I can't remember which one, but but next door, at the fraternity house next door, Dave Matthews is playing. Next door to them, another fraternity house, Hootie and the Blowfish is playing. Next door to them, Jack O'Pierce. Next door to them, the Grapes. So if you can imagine one college campus where it was Dave Matthews, Hootie, Jack O'Pierce, the Grapes, me, Colonel Bruce Hampton, all in one place, all in one weekend. And then within two months of that moment, everybody's playing stadiums. 
you know, everybody's playing like amphitheaters. It was crazy. It was crazy. It was yeah. one of those things where no, every, everybody's sitting around looking at each other, going, "What the hell just happened?" Yeah, it just happened, and, and that's how it, it happened. And it was it was part of that wave of everybody was coming out off of grunge. It was a, a changing of the guards. It was the zenith of the music business. Mm-hmm. Um, it was all of those those seemingly insignificant things came together and created this tidal wave that we just happened to be on. And uh, wow, that was it. Wow, was We're talking to Edwin McCain. Edwin, you get to play DJ. Mississippi's What's birthplace. That? You get to play yeah. DJ. So Mississippi is the birthplace of American music. The way we look at it is nobody. Greenville, South Carolina, uh, Greenville, Indiana, if there's if one of the 48. Anyway, no matter what, we take a lot of credit for a lot of genres and a lot of influence on the world of music. So uh, Only. Thank I love you. You know, love you. you know we are, you know, the, the my whole family's originally from Lexington, Mississippi. No way. So the McCain's, yeah, the McCain's. Well, the whole McCain story starts in Lexington, Mississippi. I know a lot of people from Lexington, Mississippi. Uh, that's unbelievable. I, see, I don't know that. So there you go. So I know you're going to agree with me. I love that. I want to talk about that. But you get to play DJ. You want to hear a little Mose Allison or Jimmy Rogers? Uh, Mose Allison. I knew that. We're talking with the fabulous Edwin McCain. He's taking a Mississippi minute with us. Stand by. We are going to be right back. Don't have no Chris Craft crew. Got no basic with Lester. I ain't got nothing but Hey folks, in the market for new pillows, I'd like to tell you about who I believe strongly is the best pillow manufacturer made right here in the USA, my friends at Beds by Design and their amazing Omni Pillow. The Omni Pillow is made with a copper infused fabric and they use high quality fabric. The copper has been known to be antifungal, antibacterial and good for the skin. The OmniFlow is the foam in the inside. Designed by their veteran team, the OmniFlow is a one-of-a-kind product that is unlike any other material. It is a patent material that adjusts as the weight is applied. They combine that with responsive temperature control that regulates your body temperature as you sleep. OmniPillow has a 100-day return policy. And listen to this. They'll donate a pillow to someone in need every time you purchase one. Their goal? To give away 1 million pillows. It also comes with a stress cube that sells for 10 bucks. Give yourself a much-deserved life's rest. Go to OmniPillow.com. That's OmniPillow.com. Enter promo code Steve Azar and receive 20% off with free shipping. You won't regret it. Thanks, guys. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Steve Azar with Edwin McCain. Uh, we're in a Mississippi Minute. 
Uh, we're on the downside of it. We roll. That's how we roll. Hey, Edwin. Uh, okay, so Atlantic Records. It, was it Darius and the boys, or what? How did how did you get seen, or you know, where did it happen when Atlantic came? Because they were Atlantic as well, correct? They were. They were Atlantic. They got signed by Atlantic. I was opening for them when they got signed, right? And so. Um, at the at that time, so Danny Bush and all those guys that were with Atlantic, you know, they were like, "Well, who is this kid?" And and Darius, and of course Darius being Darius, yeah. Darius said, "Look, he's our, you know, he's our friend." And and I tell you what, if you sign him too, I'll appear in his first video because <laughs> we're all for one and one for all, you know. And and. You know, obviously Atlantic is, they were smart enough to know, you know, well, you might as well just scoop him up too because somebody's going to end up signing him because he's going to be out on the tour with this band. Um, yeah, but that A and R guy gets the biggest break because it's, he's got an easy job. I mean, like, it's like there you are. <laughs> well, but here's the thing here's the wrinkle in the in the work here. That would have been easy enough to do, but I was a little concerned that um, Atlantic uh, would, uh, obviously with me being sort of in a similar genre, you know, if I'm signed to Atlantic proper, it would be real easy for them to uh, just kind of shuffle me off to the side and, and, and focus only on, on Hootie and um and, and and that would be a legitimate thing for them to do because if you're if you you know if I'm the president of Atlantic Records, Hootie and the Blowfish has a much much bigger back end than Edwin McCain, so I get that. So at the same moment that all this is going down, Jason Flom starts a subsidiary right. label under the Atlantic umbrella called Lava. Right, and Jason I remember Jason. Been, uh, Jason was set up to be the number two. Uh, uh, for Atlantic when Ahmet Erdogan uh, stepped down. um, And he was in competition with a guy named Craig Kalman. And it was all this sort of inner politics that was going on at Atlantic. And I was kind of paying, watching this whole thing go down. And I'm thinking, you know, and I have this, I have, I have this independent kind of punk streak that runs right through me that, that, that is a character flaw, I guess, maybe, I'm not sure. But, the idea of going with an independent, like sort of a subsidiary label with this maverick uh, guy named Jason Flom, who's who's cutting his own path and who's obviously uh, he 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 defied his story is he got Twisted Sister signed, even though the the chairman of Atlantic told Jason, if you say the name Twisted Sister again. <laughs> I'm going to fire you. <laughs> Jason went around his back to the European president, got Twisted Sister signed, and then, of course, it blew up. Yeah. I mean, he's that guy, right? Yeah. So I loved him immediately. Here's this guy. He's cutting his own path. He's got his own label. He came to see me play in Colorado. We we liked each other instantly. Um, and so I signed with Lava. And so it, it killed two birds with one stone. So I didn't have to disappoint the Atlantic people that were trying to sign me. And I didn't run the risk of ever having to feel like I was competing with Hootie. So right. I, I could go off sort of on my own path and be 
the indie weird, you know, the indie guy that I am, but with major label support. And I didn't have to hurt anybody's feelings. I, you know, it was kind of the perfect answer yeah. to the to the situation we were in. And so it just so it turns out that that Jason is so good at picking bands. So his first three people he signed with were me, uh, Jill Sobule, and Sugar Ray. Wow! And so the first three bands that he gets all have moderate hits right actual hit records happening and so we had this little and and the offices of lava were in this other building and we had this we were like a little gang you know and then the fourth act he signs was kid rock wow man what a run you can imagine me kid rock and sugar ray and jill so buell and we're all working for each other so at the time i got i have a hit on the radio, I was doing free shows to get Kid Rock's records added. Of course, you were on rock radio station, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, and we all took care of each other. It was like this little gang of broke of the misfit toys over there working and helping each other out across genres in different um, in different situations. And and it was it was it was hilarious. It was one of those things that that you can't. I mean, one day they'll write a book about lava about those days and then everybody that came on board was like that and we all worked our tails off and and that's just what it was you just said that y'all were all uh, so knowing uh, enough about uh you know i know kid rock but knowing enough about you you, and the other guys and knowing you everybody's got this crazy work ethic and that's what you got to have and also jason flom was he was signing everybody that was so unique yeah. Uh, uh, unique in in looks and and yeah. voice and musical styles. I mean, if you that's just that's as, it's almost like he was creating his own music festival within just great artists. That was it, you know. Just you okay. figure out where it belongs, but that's it. And I know you gotta when you're working radio and stuff. But you brought up something for our listeners to know that we can't tell you how many free shows we played either for ourselves okay. or for our our label mates yeah. that we went and and. You had to do that, and uh, it's just the deals that the promotion guys, those promotion guys are like, I don't know what, they stayed up 24-7, and they and they drank a lot, and they partied a lot, and they went from one radio station to another like it was, they had to start the party over, right? Yeah. That's what it and, was. And we, we did that. Like, I, I looked at it like, so <laughs> at one point, Atlantic actually had me working other records because of my rapport with the with the program directors, right? So I was actually functioning in a dual role at, at one point, helping them get ads on other records because of the relationships that we had. So yeah. it was it was and and I loved it. Like don't get like I just saw last night Lou Rizzo, who is a longtime Atlantic guy promotion guy he came to the show and the night before that leanne callahan came out and i was texting back and forth with andrea gannis and these are people like i have like i left atlantic in 99 and i still have deep uh, long-lasting friendships and jason and i talked last week so yeah jason and i are lifelong friends and and this is this is important for uh, hopefully for your listeners to hear because i think a lot of times all anybody ever reads is are these um these stories about the artists fighting with the label and the labels kind of thinking the artists are are greedy and ungrateful and 
I, I didn't. I did. That wasn't my experience. I, I, I read my contract. I knew exactly what it said. I knew exactly how much money they were going to make on me, uh, and I signed it. And, yeah. and I, I, I worked hard, and they, they did what they said they were going to do, and I did what I said I was going to do. And I'm still friends with those people these day, this, to, to this day. And when it came time for me to leave, it wasn't hard for, for us to know that, right? I mean, it was 99. I was 29 years old. I was nine years past, past major label prime, you know. And, and, and Jason called me one day. He goes, what are we going to do with you? And I said, I don't know, but it's definitely time for me to go. <laughs> and, 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 and it was fine. You know, it's one of those I things. Like, I, I'd never look back in anger at that. No. Um, I had, a, I had a, the absolute time of my life. I loved going and, and, and doing radio promo. I, I, I loved the game. I loved all of it. But I, there was never a minute where I didn't feel like my hard work was not being reciprocated. If I worked hard, there was somebody at Atlantic that would match it. Yeah, they I love that. Match my hard work. Now, so so we used to call it the soapbox. We'd fly in on Monday, and uh, we'd all get in the two promotion guys, one of the lead guys and one of the girls, uh, girl guy, whatever. And we would drive, and my sidekick Jason, who you know, we have a suitcase between us. The, the The trunk was full of guitars and percussion, and and I'm telling you. I mean, we were like, we called it the soapbox. Every, and it was so small, the vehicle. I don't know why we yeah. never took vans or whatever, but, but we developed a bond because we were, it was weekly. We'd fly home, right? We're trying to have a hit together. And a lot of us in the promotion staffs, and they're all still there. So my relationships are all strong with those guys in particular because we lived together and we fought together yeah. and they fought yeah. for us. And I, I yeah. love that. And so I, I get that. We're with Edwin McCain. You're in the Mississippi Minute. Edwin, there's some building in my house right now. We took, took a wall down, and I know that you get excited about that, and I'd like to be a part of it, but those guys, they're all, I'm looking at them right now through my glass doors in my studio, and they're going like, when are you going to be done so we can use the sausage? We're with Edwin McCain. We're in the Mississippi Minute. We're going to be right back. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. We keep our love in a plain brown box. We keep it tied with a simple lock. We hold it close because it's all we've got. We think it's ordinary, but it's not. In a world that's starting to fade, a little love could pave the way. Don't keep it tied with a simple lock. I'm Steve Azar. We're with the great, fabulous, fantastic Edwin McCain. Hey, uh, Edwin, all right, let's talk about the Duncan machine. This is a great story. You got a Duncan machine at your house, your kids, and, and you tell this story, uh, and I can't get it out of my head. So tell our listeners about your, uh, you know, that, that, uh, that event in your life. So... So I'm a I'm a I've, I love I go to these farm auctions you know I have uh, 
400 acre farm and I, I i like i love buying old gear and fixing it up and i was just a sucker for this kind of stuff and so i was at this uh this farm auction right and it's two aisles of stuff and i'm walking down the middle and all of a sudden it was like i could see this shaft of light you know <laughs> storming out of the clouds and landing on this 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 dunking machine this big steel dunking machine and this is not like this was not a commercially made piece of equipment this was some dude welding this thing together in his backyard and it was ingenious like the le- the little lever with the target on it was was made out of old uh, axle uh, it was made out of a, an old a section of axle and then bearings from said axle and it was just it was just it was uh it was a a of Rembrandt of redneck engineering. It, it was absolutely spectacular. And I, <laughs> I took one look at this thing. I was like, well, I got to have that. Yeah. <laughs> and my son was turning six at the time. And he, he wanted to have this sort of army themed, um, uh, birthday party. And so I was like, well, this is the answer right here. So I, I took the, the whole dunking machine over to the uh, Rhino Liner place, and I got the Rhino Liner guy to Rhino line this whole thing because it was rusty and it was all beat up. And so I Rhino lined the whole thing, and I've got some stencils, and I put U.S. Army targeting <laughs> and rehydration units on it. And then, and then of course, I got Army. Like I went to the Army-Navy store and got Army fatigues, and I dressed up in this thing. And, and my son, unfortunately, though, my son's birthday is in November. It's November 29th. Yeah, very unfortunate. <laughs> so I'm freezing my butt off in this dunking machine while all his friends are just dunking me over and over again. <laughs> now, I put on some, like, you know, some some uh, long johns and stuff to try to mitigate this <laughs> this thing. But apparently I had not planned well enough, and so I sat in this dunking machine while six-year-olds dunked me for hours, and uh, and I actually gave myself hypothermia. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so, like after the party was over, my wife comes up and she she's looking at me and she goes, "Something's wrong with you," and I was like, "Yeah, something's wrong with me." And she and so they put me in the shower. I was kind of blue, and she put me in the shower. And, uh, and 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 as the legend grows, you know, I slept for like twenty seven yeah. hours or something straight, and um, and, and it, uh, it still goes down as you know one of one of it, it's in the catalog of dumb things I've done in our fantastic marriage. the love for the love of a child I love the it love of the, no no I was gonna say just the and and then uh, I I I uh, sold that dunking machine <laughs> yeah yes you did. <laughs> Got rid of it? Are you kidding me? I love that. That's but that's that's your personality. Personality. That's your makeup, and it makes all the sense in the world that you would be on a, a farm on Redneck Row and buying this this uh, whatever Duncan. It's so crazy. I love it. What a yeah, story! I, that farm is actually in in Possum Kingdom, South Carolina. Of course it is. I, of course it is. Of course it is. Yeah. Well, Edwin, I can't thank you enough time for taking a Mississippi Minute. We have been with the fantastic Edwin McCain. He's going to have a show tonight. You you own uh, tomorrow and the next night because he rolls that way, but he's found balance in his life. He spends time with his family, uh, and he likes to build things and fix things. And and I can't thank you enough, brother. You're the best. 
You be safe out there. And uh, thanks for being in Mississippi Minute. We're out. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.